1: hello and welcome back come join me megan and my special guest betty and sit for a spell round the cauldron while we talk about witchcraft polytheism and the intersection of magic and mundane i saw something recently that really got under my skin and i wanted to talk about it but i didn't want to do it alone so i did the next best thing i invited a friend of mine betty better known as the witch from the north on social media to come on the show with me and talk about the commodification of witchcraft and spirituality. We dig into why our community gets inundated with ads, products, and things we supposedly need. We talk about how this is harmful to the wider spiritual community, but that it's also been a bit helpful. We also give our own perspectives on what we think can be done to break out of the cycle of consumerism within our practices. But first, Let's go over some important dates for the month of April. First, the new moon is on April 1st, a funny day to be a new moon as it's also April Fool's Day, but whatever. The full moon is on April 16th. This is the full pink moon, and it's also the first full moon after the spring equinox. One other important date for April is April 22nd. This is Earth Day, an annual event to demonstrate support for environmental protections. As pagans, we are generally people that care about the Earth, being good stewards to the land around us locally and globally. Earth Day is a good reminder to everyone around the world that we only have one planet, and we need to care for her so that future generations will still have a place to call home. As always, a wonderful shout-out to my patrons on Patreon. Thank you so, so much for your support. It truly means the world to me, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to help support the show, feel free to join me on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive perks and content. With that being said, let's get into the show. Thank you so much, Betty, for being here and talking with me today about this uh, fun subject of commodification and spirituality. Um, Before we start our rambling discussion, because I'm sure we both have plenty to say on the subject. Would you like to introduce yourself for anybody that is listening?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for having me today, Megan. Um, For those who don't know, my name is Betty Ann, and I am known as the Witch from the North on Instagram. Uh, And sometimes I post to YouTube. (laughs) Um, I did previously have a podcast, but that's on hiatus. So that's kind of up in the air. But yeah, so you can find me on Instagram if you'd like to follow along.
1: Yay, awesome. And um, I'll leave links to all of your stuff in the show notes for anybody, because I definitely recommend for anyone out there to go follow you too. I feel like we have become quite good friends over the course of meeting each other on social media. Um, so we're talking about what I think can possibly be a beefy subject, and that is the commodification of spirituality. And uh, witchcraft practices. So first, the inspiration for this particular topic hit me because I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, as you do when you're bored, and I saw a video that came up in my recommended ads for a crystal vending machine where you, you go to a mall and you walk up to this big pink vending machine and it's full of crystals and i immediately said i hate it <laughs> <laughs> i hate it
0: <laughs> yeah that's kind of where i went when you told me about that too i was like yeah no,
1: <laughs> and it's the same kind of feeling i get when i go to like walmart or five below i'm not sure what the equivalent for those stores is outside of um the united states and they have sage bundles that are covered in like dried flowers that look like plastic or mm. they're dyed red so they can be quote unquote dragon's blood sage and I have pictures of
0: them too and I'm like I hate it
1: I don't like it I don't like it at all
0: <laughs> I I mean I yeah I completely agree I see the same thing uh, here in Canada uh we do have Walmart I'm not sure what the equivalent would be to the other store that you had mentioned but we do have some uh new age spirituality, sort of alternative stores like that in our malls and whatnot. And, uh, I definitely, I, I dislike seeing some of the stuff that they're, they're promoting and they're advertising as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and like five below is an interesting mixture of a bunch of stuff. Everything is $5 and under, and they've got like electronics and toys and it's almost like a dollar store, but uh, yeah. $5 and under. Right. Um, so, okay. So what do I mean when I say the commodification of spirituality? And it's basically where, thing, where we end up with things like crystal vending machines or mm-hmm. sacred herbs being sold in Walmart and, um, you know, just things being pushed out for mass consumption that make very large corporations, very large amounts of money. Mm-hmm. What do you view it any different? Do you have more thoughts to say on that? My brain
0: is just sort of minimized it a little bit. No, absolutely. I agree. Um, I was doing a little bit of research before, um, our meeting today and I found uh, a definition that I kind of leaned in towards because it seemed to kind of encompass everything that I thought of. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you don't mind, I'll just read the, yeah, go for it. Sure. Um, okay. So uh, I see it as commodification of religion or spirituality refers to religious symbols um, becoming commodities. So basically, objects of consumption read- readily available in the quote unquote supermarket of religion. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. You know what? You read that definition and it immediately reminded me of all the people they get mad when people go to Hot Topic and buy the pentacle earrings. And they're like, you're not Wiccan. You shouldn't be wearing those because you don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. That's where my brain went. But yeah, for sure. that's That seems to be a very accurate definition. It falls in line with where my brain is with this subject. Um, and I want to talk about too the role that you mentioned um, of how social media has come into play with this. And mm-hmm. I was thinking last night while I was laying in bed about how Instagram used to be a place to share pictures with your family and friends. You know, you have the people that you follow and the people that follow you. And it started out as a picture sharing platform, but now I can't be on Instagram without seeing ads mm-hmm. and you know, business related posts or, um, reels even. And as someone that has a very small business myself, I get it. It's, it's a marketing tool now, but it definitely has played the role of getting things like crystals and herbs and spell oils. Even I've seen those, um, the really pretty ones in glass jars that are full of like mica or glitter that sparkle.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, but I definitely think that social media has played a larger role in pushing everything out there um whether that be to the detriment of the community
0: or not I'm not sure um I think it's worth worth having a a discussion over because I mean we live in a capitalist society right Mm -hmm. that's that's our reality and so a lot of the times it's you know the commodification equals profit and and most often people seeking clout but it also there's it's twofold because as you said we're seeing a lot of people online who are business owners and who use this platform as a way um, for their living you know mm-hmm. they're, they're they're trying to make a living they're trying to provide for their family and so as you said it's it's kind of twofold like you understand where you're, it's coming from um but it, it's taken such a um I don't know it's taken on such a complex form where like we're seeing so much uh come out of this uh mm-hmm. and yeah you know I mean? yeah
1: and I I definitely get that like It started out small, at least the way I have seen it. It started out with small businesses, people, you know, um, selling the mineral specimens that they've rock hounded, you know, they got them themselves and they're turning around and selling them. Um, But then with the invention of hashtags and trends, trending hashtags, larger corporations have now seen what people are talking about. And it immediately brought to my mind the commercial, I think it was for Facebook groups. and this commercial was on TV. Um, and it was it had a couple of people in it where someone was looking for astrology mm-hmm. and let's manifest our future and you know all of the buzzwords that we see mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the spiritual community because they're picking it up from the trending hashtags of what we itty bitty people are talking about. And I think that's one of the major issues that I have with the commodification of spirituality and religious symbols. Mm -hmm. I have no issue with a small business owner who is, you know, doing what they do and um, selling their, you know, their crystals or their creations or, you know, running a small business because the majority of the time, In my experience, at least, those small business owners are putting that money back into the community. They are, you know, whether that be the witchy community or their actual area, their lived-in community. Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters. Um, but then those big corporations—they don't care about us. They—we have seen time and time again. They, corporations are willing to profit off of the trends that we have, and. Not give credit where credit is due, and give money back into
0: the community that they took from. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I absolutely agree, and and that that's again, that's where you know the the presence of social media and being able to reach such large numbers of people um, has greatly impacted um, the commodification of spirituality in both positive ways and negative ways, because uh, as you said, we see people come in who are, you know, less than honest with their intentions, seeking to make profit or to gain Mm -hmm. clout from doing this. And so like, they're not coming from a place where they are seeking to have, you know, their own spiritual connections or their own spiritual journey. And it's more for uh, making a quick buck and feeding it back into the, the larger corporations.
1: Right. Exactly. And it's like my brain was going a direction, but then I decided not to go that direction. Like with my, my own sort of small business with my crochet stuff, that's not profitable. (laughs) If I'm being entirely honest, you know, it's, it's the cycle of capitalism and these large corporations versus the smaller businesses, because something can take me, I don't know, five or six hours to make, I'm going to charge 40, 50, 60 bucks for it because my time is valuable. But -hmm. then the people who are in these cycles with capitalism and who are like below the poverty line or they, you know, people can't just pay all that money for handmade generally, but these large corporations who pay their workers pennies on a dollar who take advantage of, you know, the, the trends and they buy things in bulk and they can afford to, pass that off. I don't feel like that's quite the right phrase, but they can make their stuff cheaper because Mm -hmm. they can eat the cost because they don't pay their work. It's this whole thing. Um,
0: Yeah. It's a vicious cycle. And it's, it's like you said, it's that um, it's a systemic issue, right? Like Mm -hmm. capitalism is only seeking to feed into back into that 1% of people. So um, they're targeting the individuals who you know, don't have fifty to sixty dollars to spend on an item and are seeking more budget friendly ways. And there's no no shame to people who don't Mm -hmm. have the money to spend on it. But that's that's their target audience, right? They're they're that those are the people that they're looking to um market or target. Um so like you said with the crystal vending machine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because like the I I watched the video and I did a little bit of digging into the vending machine itself there's nothing in there under or I mean over like seven dollars like mm, for one where are you getting your crystals (laughs) because are you getting them from a place that uses unethical business standards and who pays for child labor or slave labor or who doesn't pay their workers at all you know the crystal mining industry is massive and depending on where you are, massively unethical.
0: Right. And then I think it becomes this um, really difficult balancing act because like as somebody who is spiritual, I don't want to say or refer to myself as a consumer, Mm -hmm. right? I I don't know why, but I just, that word feels icky to me. Yeah, no, I, I relate. I relate. but. At the same time, we do have to think of those things as uh as an individual who is in this capitalist society, this society that that looks to make profit off of, you know, like you said, child labor and the mining of uh unethical mining of crystals. Um, so those are things that we have to consider where we're looking, oh, like the shiny crystal is only seven dollars. Ooh, like I can afford that. Mm-hmm. But but like what are the greater implications right and and do you actually need it yes <laughs>
1: do you actually need it cuz that's another part of this commodification is we are marketed to so much mm-hmm. that we have been conditioned to feel like we have to have every single shiny new thing right mm-hmm. and the witchcraft space or the spiritual space is no different like here I've got a crystal for each one of your
0: problems. Yes, that's the point, though. See, so personally, I haven't, um, I haven't formally studied social media and marketing, but I've done a lot of like independent studies. So mm-hmm. I kind of because that was something that was uh, a special interest of mine <laughs> a couple of years ago, uh, and so I kind of went deep into this little rabbit hole of understanding social media and marketing and um, how that plays a role in you know, our buying and our consumption of things. And, and <laughs> it's really devious is the only word I can think of when I try to describe it, because marketing, um, it's meant to play on the emotions of the individual that they're targeting. Mm-hmm. And so we see with spirituality, it's a very personal journey, right? And it means something different to each individual. And so they're seeking to do Uh, things on their journey, to learn things, to unlearn things, to connect, whatever the case may be. Um, So we see these bigger corporations who are using marketing tactics to play on the spiritual journey or the emotions of the person that they're targeting, so that they will go out and buy their products. Mm -hmm. So it just feeds back into that commodification, like you said, and it's really, it's difficult to separate the two. Um, There's just really... Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of like a whole other, like I can go on a tangent.
1: (laughs) No, no, but you're totally right because marketing is rough. And even as someone like myself with my own channel and my podcast and trying to make sure that like my Instagram posts are seen, Mm -hmm. I have to use hashtags or I'm going to have no uh, engagement And I'll have no engagement, even from the people that follow me because of the way social media works now, where you're given no choice pretty Mm -hmm. much in, I mean, except for like maybe Twitter, Twitter, I can organize things the way I want. Um, (laughs) But like with Instagram, you're given no choice on how your feed is presented to you. They give you what they think you want to see. Mm-hmm. And so if you're interacting with all kinds of business posts or pretty sparkly, you know, shiny new things, they're going to give you more of that.
0: And it's just a massive feedback loop. Um, and it's really interesting that you say that because we could even take it a step further and say that with social media, um, it's almost commodifying the individuals who are also using it and, and participating in it
1: yes
0: oh it hurts <laughs> right it because because then we become especially as content creators we become the commodification or the subject uh, that's being commodified mm-hmm. and, cons- and consumed by other people but in order for us to be successful as small business owners or for us to have our content um reach uh, reach the people that we are trying to reach mm-hmm. we, have, we have to participate in it
1: it's awful and I it really hate is. it <laughs> like as much as I love what I do and love making the podcast and I love making videos I hate the back end of it so much I because think most... it's like you gotta hustle to get yourself out there to be that commodity and everything has to be shiny and sparkly and pretty or nobody's gonna look at it yep yeah. And I think that um, the same thing goes with like
0: buying things. <laughs> really? Uh, it, it, it's, it's so crazy. And again, um, I think it's important to emphasize too, that this is such a nuanced large topic that like, we're obviously not going to be able to talk about everything oh, in for one sure. episode, but yeah. like, um, I think that brings me to my point where we we're just talking about previously about like, is it possible for us to even separate the commodification of spirituality from spirituality itself in our spiritual journey or witchcraft or religion? Um, And if so, like what impacts would it have? Because as you said, in order for um, us to reach the people that we want to reach or to have the business that we want to have, we have to kind of participate in this. And and, um, it really has this icky feeling.
1: Yeah. So in thinking about that, I think... The um, most of the responsibility I think would come down to the individual as a consumer Mm -hmm. um, because the individual as a creator, we have to play by their rules. We have to play by the rules that are given to us. So that means doing things to make the algorithm happy and having a schedule and using all the right hashtags. It's only... I think, at the very surface level anyway, um, the individual that can maybe change the culture by, instead of choosing to buy things from larger corporations who are just there to make a buck off of the spirituality, maybe choosing to instead buy from a small business and Unlearning that you don't have to have every single thing ever in the world. That part, yes,
0: that part right there. <laughs> you don't that,
1: have that, to have it all.
0: Well, and I think that that is a huge problem in quote unquote quote uh, white culture. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it, it really because I mean if we if we take a look at it, um, and I don't know if this is going to be a little know, spicy go for it go for it
1: I've said um, some spicy things myself oh okay well good um <laughs> like like the fact that I think uh the issue with cultural appropriation among white culture has to do with shadow work and feeling like you don't
0: have a culture um yeah that's that's one of I've heard a lot of people actually talk about that because it <laughs> it it has a lot of truth to it like as as uh, a white individual, like I really didn't grow up with any sort of culture. Like I was very separate from that. And I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in a, a Protestant Christian family, so I have uh, a religion that mm-hmm. I grew up in, which I later on uh, disconnected from for personal reasons. But that we're not going to get into. But yeah, like so, I was very much separated from any sort of like culture or uh, uh, like sense of community right and and so um you we go like seeking for those things, and it can really have um a negative impact and I'm trying to gather my thoughts so that I stay <laughs> in one direction, but um, I guess where I was going with that is that like there's very much a sense of because we don't have uh a community or we're separate from a community, and it's like that white culture we're we're seeking um to find a connection in other places, and in doing so, uh, when we are not properly educated, we are furthering the commodification of other religions and mm-hmm. other cultures and spiritualities that we are not entitled to. Right? right? So, for example, uh, sage, yeah, right within the dig- indigenous community, that's a huge thing in the new age spirituality. People are, are pushing sage, and even though the indigenous community have told us like this is a, a sacred. Plant medicine uh, used for our ceremonies like this is not for non-native individuals to use um, it's still being sold by a lot of um, new age spir- spiritualists online or small businesses that are mm-hmm. white run right so like right. These people that do not have entitlement over this um, are still using it and commodifying it to make money off of it
1: yeah I, I can't go into a shop here in my area without seeing white sage or even palo santo but that also that that brings me to another side of things where i i am familiar with where white sage grows natively i used to live in the area
0: mm-hmm.
1: it is i how can i say this it is kind of due to the commodification of witchcraft and spiritual practices that Many people all over the world now have access to things that they wouldn't have had before. True. And so I think that, I mean, obviously not white sage. That's not a good thing. Mm. Um, but like I can buy a specially crafted spell oil from someone halfway around the world now. I mean, yes, I would buy it from a small business. But I think that is another side to the commodification of spirituality is that we now have access to things that we maybe wouldn't have had before, which can also be a bad thing because white sage, for example, Palo Santo, for example, um, but also then that can create a disconnect with our local area because everybody's talking about, you know, use white sage to cleanse or, um, Palo Santo and clear your space, but what about what you already have in your area that grows local, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if there are any other sort of ways that it, that this whole thing has been helpful to the wider community. I think it's been more harmful than helpful, but again, Mm -hmm. it's a very, there's a very thin line (laughs) that we can walk with this commodification of spirituality. And it's very nuanced. There's a lot of different pockets and rabbit holes that we can dive into.
0: I, I mean, I completely agree. And um, like I said previously, uh, I wonder um, and I've thought about it, like is commodification necessary in today's age to preserve uh, some religion and spirituality? Like, is it, is it necessary? And I don't think there's a clear yes or no to this. Um, I think that there have definitely been more, there has been definitely been more harm to come out of the commodification. But as you said, there has been some good in that um, it's now more. Like widespread. Yeah. Accessible. Yes. Yes. That's the word that I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) um but um is that due to commodification or is that due to kind of where society is going in terms of being perpetually online Mm, that's a good question I think it's a mixed bag I really yeah I agree um but again when I think of commodification I think of something being yeah no I agree I think it is a mixed bag because now that I think of it like it's the consumption of something. And that's essentially what some social media is there for, is the consumption.
1: <laughs> yeah, but also too, it's, it is the consumption. But if we are doing things the right way, quote unquote right way, it's also the education of what it is that we're consuming. So um, for example, back when I was a, a, a newer witch, um, In my early teens, it was white sage. That's what I knew. That's what I had been told by, um, you know, the books that I was reading and the one shop that I had access to is all they sold for cleansing was white sage. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older and as I got more and more online and searching for places to get supplies from, then you run into that. This is white sage this is used as a sacred medicine for the indigenous tribes of the west coast of uh, jumbling over my words, the west coast of North America, right? Mm -hmm. The southern west coast of North America. And then I'm like, oh, that's a thing I didn't know before. And so looking for what I was looking for, then I came upon more education. And I, I also think it's, We can take it a step further in that, um, you know, when we learn about cultures or practices outside of ourselves, there have been studies that show that it makes people less racist, makes people less of an asshole towards other people. And we find that I think in the spaces where we are consuming things, um, like social media. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's a mixed bag of nonsense.
0: It really is. And I think, like you said, it, it really comes down to the individual and, and really taking the time to kind of ask ourselves those questions like you said previously about like do I really need this Mm -hmm. why why do I feel like I need this what purpose does it have those sorts of things is it even for me to have Mm -hmm. which is another good question to ask Um, is there something I can use in in replace uh, of it or in you know what I mean Um, yeah like as a substitute yeah
1: yeah yeah I, I have to ask myself that question a lot do I need this Mm -hmm. Is it necessary for whatever it is that I'm doing for, for a spell or for a ritual or who knows what, but, but also to like, where did it come from? Mm -hmm. Who made it, who is responsible for putting it in a store in front of me? You know, right. that's, I think that's a lot of it. And, and as a consumer, those are things that I think about. And those are things that I think others should be thinking about in order to separate um, the uh, mass consumption, mass, uh, there's a phrase I'm looking for, like the mass production, I guess, Mm -hmm. of things. We don't need more things. Yes, distribution. That's the word I was looking
0: for. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. And again, uh, it's... It's definitely an issue among um, white culture. And I hate to kind of continue to say that because no, I don't actually. Well, it
1: it reminds me of colonialism. Like we come in and we we have been taught or at least I have been taught Mm -hmm. that we come here, we take what we need, Mm -hmm. we take what we want and that's just what we do
0: yes yes we as like general
1: you know yeah um and it's definitely been something to unlearn and (sighs) yeah
0: (laughs) no i can and 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 that's one of the reasons why i was really excited to come on today and talk to you about this because like i think it is uh especially as a white individual it is my I feel like I take responsibility in, in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, of talking to other white individuals about this and, and bringing it to a conversation because it needs to be talked about because a lot of the onus is uh, we're putting it on other cultures and other communities and it's not their responsibility to educate us in why it's not okay for us to commodify their spirituality or their religion or their culture.
1: Right. And I, I have had that conversation with a few people where, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have asked me why I don't use white sage or why I recommend others not to use white sage. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, the indigenous people that were here first could not practice their beliefs until mm-hmm. like the 1960s or seventies. I believe it was 70, 78. I think it's 78. I think so i'm gonna look it up really quick but in 1978 my
0: mom was a kid like that wasn't that long ago right my mom was a kid too (laughs) um let's see and you know it's interesting because i like what you said about the fact that you know there is very much a sense of entitlement and i think that's where the commodification of spirituality and religions come from is that sense of entitlement um in Mm -hmm. terms of if we're not talking about mainstream media um Because, you know, that's, I think uh, that's different than uh, if we're talking about like the commodification of Mm -hmm. other cultures that are not ours or uh, spiritual practices that are not ours, Um, is that there is a sense of entitlement. Like we do as white people have this unconscious or inherent bias that we need to uh, kind of we need to unlearn or we need to dissect and and figure out why it is that we feel like this is necessary for us to use or for us to have, or that we should be entitled to learning something or having something or practicing something. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Right. And just because we can learn about it doesn't mean we can do it.
0: That part. Yep. That's like, I can go,
1: I can get a book about how to perform heart surgery, but I'm not a doctor. (laughs)
0: Please exactly. don't trust me to
1: do heart surgery on you. <laughs> Just because I read about it in a book doesn't mean it's okay for me to do.
0: Right. Um, and I think it's, it's and it was 1978. Sorry. It was. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is I know this because, um, uh, is it okay if I tell a story? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, um, recently, I had a discussion with uh, an Indigenous uh, creator, educator on Instagram. Um, they had posted uh, some information in regards to uh, sacred plants used in their medicines and ceremonies, um, and they were asking some common uh, or answering some common questions in regards to sage and some of the other sacred plants like uh, sweetgrass and mm-hmm. cedar and t- tobacco, Um and they had, they had mentioned that it was 1978, but they had talked about, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly learning and I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes. And uh, in, this, in this case, I did make a mistake. Um, I have seen my property um, and it lines the, the perimeter of my home. And so without thinking, I was not educated. Um, I was ignorant. Um, without thinking, I decided to use some of the cedar to make uh, an herb bundle, um, not realizing that it is one of their sacred medicines and that, you know, that's not for me to use in my spiritual practices. Um, now, there are going to be different differing opinions within the Indigenous community, of course. Um, but as a general rule like that is their sacred medicine so to use that is as a non-native person is in my opinion not okay (laughs) right like I'm not entitled to that and so like uh, during the conversation we talked about that was something that they had brought up Um, they had brought up you know like um, first and foremost obviously speak to the stewards of my land where where I am Um, Mm -hmm. because they're going to be the individuals to, to speak to on this, not somebody that lives across the world. Even though somebody who lives across the world, uh, an indigenous person, s- should still be respected, and we should still listen to them. Um, the indigenous community within my areas, who I should be speaking to first and foremost. Um, but they raised some really good points in terms of, you know, asking myself why it is I feel like I need to be using this. Why it is I feel I need to use cedar uh, to connect to my spirituality or to connect to the land. Why uh, I'm using this instead of, if there are, sorry, others, uh, other things or other tools that I could be using. Um, and I think that that's something that as a white person does not come naturally to us or to mm-hmm. me. Because we are raised in a society that caters to <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like, I, I really don't know how else to put it. Like, there are so, there's so much implicit bias or uh, unconscious bias that we need to kind of work through that is the result of white supremacy and, and our society and the way that it's built in Mm -hmm. capitalism, and it all kind of is intertwined. But I guess that story was basically just to kind of go along with what I was going to say, which is, um, commodification versus appropriation and exploitation like they're so intertwined that a lot of the times when we have uh, this spiritual practice or this this tool that's uh, of a spiritual practice or culture we have to really be careful because the commodification of it like sage um, is very harmful to communities such as the indigenous community Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I don't know if that was a tangent and if that made any sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I get it. It's because like you, you know, you went through that experience where it's what you have available to you and it's what you knew and there weren't really any questions asked. I mean, I get it. I probably would have done the same thing.
0: Right. And it, it was definitely a learning experience for me because like it really brought forth the fact that like I need to be more conscious of that and I need to be checking these things like mm-hmm. instead of automatically jumping to how can I use this in my practice, why wasn't I looking at it like why don't I learn more about Cedar, you know.
1: Right. And and that can be um, like transposed on just about anything. Mm -hmm. You know, why do I feel like I have to have, I don't know, this, this oracle deck in front of me? Why do I need it? Right. Mm -hmm. Or why do I need the shiny crystal or the, um, over harvested sage or even juniper, or, I mean, I don't think juniper is endangered, but, um, you know, why do, why do we need those things? We're not really taught to ask those sorts of questions we see it we
0: want it we take it we use it and that's the issue I think with the commodification is that like and social media Mm -hmm. uh, social media's role in commodification especially because like um, back to the the story about uh, the cedar uh, I created a a reel showing the process of me uh, making a cedar bundle with it and speaking about cedar but I didn't mention anything in terms of Uh, how cedar was a sacred plant uh, to Mm -hmm. the indigenous community, Um, its history, anything along those lines. Uh, However, in the comment section, there were many people um, asking like, are you going to be selling this? How can I get this? How do I make this? And um, I mean, it was my responsibility to do uh, the research and learn more about it. So of course that falls on me as a creator, but also, looking to the people in the comment section, they're not asking themselves that questions, those questions either. And I think social media plays a large role in perpetuating that, um, the that cycle. idea. Yeah. 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 Because they're asking, how can I have this?
1: Not how can I, you know, do something similar with the stuff in my own area?
0: Right. And, and why do you feel like you need it? Just because uh, this person online who you don't have any sort of connection with other than that you follow them
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and parasocial uh, relationships are a whole other nuanced conversation that I can get into that I think also uh kind of tie into the commodification of spirituality right but like you you don't you don't know me I'm just a person online, a face on the screen, and you see me using this and so because i'm online and in some cases uh, I'm viewed as <laughs> quote unquote, an authority, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I share some parts of my uh, spiritual journey and my witchcraft. Now, I have people looking to me um, for knowledge, for tips, for tools, for whatever the case may be. And so, again, we have that, um, again, what I'm trying to say is, I guess, it does fall on us as consumers, but it also does fall on us as community to kind of check those things and to, to mention those things and, mm-hmm. right, like, call it out when it's necessary.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so as for the things that, like, the harm that commodification does and the small slivers of good that it can do, what can we do about it? <laughs> That's a good like, question. It's a, it's a hard question because especially with our, our global community now, because everybody is online, we have access to so many different perspectives, so many different people and situations, whether they be bad or good, this digital age of information, you know, we, we can have all of it. And oftentimes, it's very easy to get overwhelmed with everything that we see, hear, read, experience. But it's also, at the same time, hard for us to pull back from the global community because it's where we feel our connection. Yes. So it often makes me feel very, very, very tiny and very help, uh, helpless and powerless in these types of situations. And especially like I equate it with um, living a more sustainable life. Yes, I can do everything that I can do as an individual, but it's a global problem. And so it often makes me feel like while I'm doing what I can, it's not enough. Yeah. So I guess I kind of want to talk about what we can do to help sort of combat this issue without getting rid of like the community connections that we can create, um, and the access to information because I mean, while it sucks, I have learned so much from being online and having a YouTube channel and a podcast and interacting with other people in the community creators. And what do I call non creators like individuals? Yeah. <laughs> Right, people on, the internet. people on the internet, you know, um, uh, like there's, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what we can do, but I do know that the commodification of spirituality hurts my heart. I guess is yeah. the only way that I can describe it. To see, uh, to see that crystal vending machine, my heart just went and like dropped. Because I understand when small businesses need to do things to keep their business afloat. But I also think that businesses who are in this space should have more self-awareness and understand Mm -hmm. why they're in the space to begin with. Like I, my crochet, I've been crocheting since I was a kid. But the things that I create are part product because it's a small business, but it's also part devotion because mm-hmm. of my polytheism and my work with Bridget. It's a, it's a devotional thing. And I am in the space for the community, not to make a million dollars. Right. Yeah. If I was in the community to make a million dollars, I would come up with a crystal vending machine,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be salty about it. It's so good. Um, I think it's a really it's a great question and. Um honestly, uh, I agree. Like since being online, I've learned so much and I, I've changed so much. And I'm fairly new to being online in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only been a couple of years since I've really actively been in the spiritual space online. Mm, yeah, me too. Um, I think one of the things that I can offer uh to your listeners, Megan, um in terms of my opinion, would be to diversify and um that's particularly why i have learned so much is because um of what i i hate to use the word but what i consume online but also who i follow mm-hmm. um because we do see so much commodification of spirituality and tools and and practices and so forth um i think it's important to have people outside of our bubble um, that we are looking to, um, that we are listening to. Um, because it's not hard to learn that Sage is not for us if we follow any indigenous uh people online. Mm-hmm. If we listen to any uh people within the Indigenous community, we would know um, that it's not for us. Um so I think, yeah, the first step would definitely be for me, would be to to diversify what. Type of content you are consuming and the people that you, you are looking to, uh, to learn from.
1: That's a really good one. And it made me think of too, of breaking the cycle of only looking at things that are pretty. And I'm guilty of this, of my Instagram feed being perfectly curated photographs. Yes. But that's not real life. And it, It helps perpetuate the cycle of commodification because the people that you follow or even the corporation like Meta for Instagram sees that you only want to look at beautifully curated pictures of very specific things. Mm -hmm. And that's not real life. And I have made it a point to check out the people that follow me on Instagram and see what they're sharing and what they're doing. And if I'm curious about it, or if I feel like it is, you know, helpful to me in one form or another, I will follow those people back. And generally those people aren't posting for the sake of, um, you know, gaining followers or sharing information. They're posting about their life Mm and personal practices and their personal, um, you know, inspirations. And, um, but yeah, I think that it's really important to follow the people who aren't there to make a following on social media because it shows authenticity and it gives you a new perspective that you might not have had before, but if enough people do it, if enough people, say that they are fed up with being fed these perfectly curated ads and suggested posts, then maybe we'll get lucky and the system will change. Mm. But that's part of being a consumer. You know, that, that whole phrase of voting with your dollar. Yes.
0: That's,
1: that's, kind of where I'm going with that, you know, vote with your follow button or your subscribe button and your comments and your hearts and your shares. Don't just share the popular stuff. Don't just follow the popular people that also creates an echo chamber of commodification of all of the same people. And then we get this teeny tiny little bubble that, that we never see anything outside of.
0: Yeah. So I think that is super important. I think that's a great point. And that kind of uh, triggered a thought for me that like, um, I think another piece of advice that I would give uh, to your listeners in terms of like how we can combat the commodification is um, instead of coming from a place of, or sorry, not that you shouldn't come from a place of wanting to practice your spirituality, but when you approach uh, a new concept, when you approach uh, a new tool, or whatever the case may be, I think the first thing that we should be looking to do is seek to learn, not anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of the times our first initial response is to consume. Um, And I guess it could be argued that learning from an individual or learning from something is also a form of consumption. But I think it does less harm to sit and to listen and to learn than it would be to automatically go and try to put this uh, cultural or spiritual practice uh, into yours uh, mm-hmm. or to start using this tool that you've done really little research on, um, right. where it comes from, uh, its its purpose, its value to uh, the community that it comes from. Those sorts of things I think are super important. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, to go off of that, one of the reasons we, um, we seek to commodify is essentially because a lot of the times people feel displaced from religion or spirituality. Um, and I think this comes from like the mainstream uh, religion, mm-hmm. Christianity. Um, so you either have um, religious trauma um, or you have people who have completely separated themselves from the the religion because of the trauma or because of their disagreement of how things are being um, portrayed or um organized or I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but does that make sense? I think so. I think I think I'm following where you're going with that. I guess what I'm trying to say is that because we have such a large group of individuals who feel displaced and who feel like they don't have any sort of spiritual or religious belonging, they're looking for that belonging somewhere else. And I think that's where the commodification stems from is because they're looking for that belonging somewhere else, they're looking to practice some spiritual um, path or journey, or they're looking to uh, practice witchcraft, seeking to find somewhere else that they belong. That makes sense. Okay. I get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It took me a second, but I got it. Yeah. Sometimes I go like in circles. (laughs)
1: That's okay. Uh, But yeah, no, that makes, when you put it that way, it makes sense because you've got these people who essentially feel like they're outside of the box and all of the cool stuff is in the box. So they (laughs) need to find their way inside the box. Right. And that perpetuates the cycle of commodification. Another thought that I had was just stop consuming,
0: <laughs> right. just stop
1: being a consumer. And, and, in that sense, I obviously, I don't mean like stop buying groceries and, you know, whatever, but we, as individuals are the ones that perpetuate the cycle of consumption.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when enough people are keeping that cycle going, it's obviously going to keep going. Right. Right. But it's like if you have a tandem bicycle that has three seats and all three uh, seats need to be occupied for it to keep going. Mm -hmm. When one person gets off, it slows down. When two people get off, it's almost impossible to keep it going. Mm. Um, So I think we should, as individuals, again, ask ourselves those questions of, do I need this? Why do I need this? Can I get it from somewhere Um, like a small business or an individual creator. Can I find this in connection with my own land? Like if it's a wand or something, can I find a fallen stick and make one myself? Mm -hmm. Do I need to buy the pretty fancy thing from the major corporation that doesn't care about me? You know? Yeah. Did my Um, my analogy with the tandem bicycle make sense? (laughs) It just popped in my head.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like it's going to slow momentum. So it's not going to be as fast spreading if we slowly uh, start to or stop commodifying um, religion or spirituality. However, that that made me think uh, of a previous point that we were talking about. Like, are we able to separate commodification from spiritual practices? Because, and this is why I say this, Um, there are individuals within that spiritual practice um, or religion who will end up having to commodify it in order to have some sort of um, livelihood. So what I mean by that is um, going back to the conversation or the story that I told earlier about um, the post for sacred medicines. Um, one of the questions asked was, well, why can't I buy sage if an Indigenous person is selling it? And to which they replied, what an Indigenous person does with their sacred medicines is none of your concern. Mm -hmm. However, um, they have been forced into a place where it is necessary for them to possibly sell it or uh, to share it in some way to um, maybe stop information uh, stop appropriation, or maybe just to provide for themselves and their family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in, in that sense, I'm not sure if we can completely separate commodification uh, and spirituality.
1: I think you're right. My brain, though, is going to, to it's, it separates commodification by large corporations. Versus commodification from people in our community that mean well. And that's, for me, that's a very distinct separation because we have people that mean well, people Mm -hmm. who truly care about what they're doing and who truly Mm -hmm. believe in the products that they make or the things that they sell. And then you have people that join the community just to sell their stuff and make a buck off of us. And Mm. then you've got the corporations who can afford to sell things at a massively cheaper price because they're large corporations right so with that separation that's why i say that if you're going to buy something buy it from a small business buy it from a creator an individual um, who doesn't have massive amounts of tax breaks and loopholes and underpaid staff and then, you know, the other side, you're not also supporting someone who joined the community just to sell their stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's where that separation needs to be made because you're right. There are going to be times where, um, commodification is necessary, especially for things that have to be created by very specific people, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: those things aren't considered closed to others. They just have, certain you know processes or rituals or whatever that go into the creation of that and then the final thing can be sold to whoever right so yes I think that's my saying. answer to that question
0: yeah no I appreciate that and I get what you're saying and I think at that point my mind would basically my mind is is essentially like if it is coming from an individual within that community to share their culture, to uh, stop the perpetuation of misinformation? Is it actually commodification? Mm, that's a good question. Right? Because for me personally, I guess I view commodification more so as like, like you said, uh, for, profit and for profit. Yeah,
1: for profit. And I, I I mean, obviously the whole point of owning a business, first of all, is to make money. Yeah. That's like business one-on-one, but <laughs> When you get into communities such as ours, where there's a lot of heart and spirit behind what we do, that sort of becomes not the only reason for having a business. So, yeah, I think when we get into those particular business owners or creators, I yeah, I don't think I would necessarily call that commodification. I When I think of commodification, I think of Walmart or Five Below
0: or, you know... Whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, the other side of that, too, is that a lot of the times these people who are sharing parts of spirituality to make profit are generally um, detaching what they're looking to commodify from its context, yes which is very harmful. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's super harmful and it happens a lot within our community. It
1: does. It does. And, and I see it too within my sphere of paganism because I consider myself a Celtic pagan. I focus Mm -hmm. mainly on Irish practices, but there is so much crap out there within Celtic paganism because the, the Celtic areas are considered or seen as quote-unquote other and exotic and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like steeped in spirituality and the land is just alive and like all of this stuff. But it, it's caused a lot of harm because of a whole other slew of things. Maybe one day I will have the ability to speak with somebody about that too, because that would be an interesting conversation.
0: I, I agree with you. I would be interested in listening to that. It actually right. made me think of um, Firelight's book, uh, The Dabbler's Guide mm. to Witchcraft, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, because they they talk about it within that. And they, they raise an interesting point that a lot of the times people who are coming into the pagan and the spirituality community, spiritual community, <laughs> um, um, they're they're coming from a place of looking to replace the previous religion or spirituality. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're forcing previous beliefs and context into something that doesn't necessarily fit. So it's like a square peg in a circle hole, right? Like they're, yeah, they're trying to put their previous beliefs that may not necessarily uh, fit into uh, Christianity anymore, and bringing it over into paganism. And it, it doesn't work like that (laughs) yeah it doesn't work
1: it does not work sort of like the cycle of commodification and witchcraft
0: yeah (laughs) it's a lot
1: (laughs) it is so much so much but thank you so much for coming and talking with me about commodification of spiritual practices this has been such a great conversation and you have shared some amazing insights and I've even gotten a couple of different perspectives. Um, I think that we even have some answers for some things that we can do as individuals to help stop the cycle and, um, you know, keep things spiritual instead of profitable as for me, at least that's important. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell people where they can find you online
0: or do you want me to just leave all the links in the show notes? Um yeah uh first of all uh, yeah thank you for having me it was it was a great conversation i really enjoyed it um i think it's definitely an important topic so uh for people uh who are listening would like to find me you can find me on instagram at the witch from the north uh same with youtube i sometimes post to twitter so if you like twitter you can find me uh the witch from n because it's there's not enough space Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but that's pretty much the only active platforms that i use
1: Yay. Well, thank you so much, Betty, for coming to talk with me. This has been amazing. And I hope anybody listening has gotten some new perspectives. And I always welcome comments and suggestions from anyone that has listened, you know, wherever, wherever you want to leave your comment, just find a place, I guess. (laughs) And yeah, I will talk to you all in the next episode. Thanks again, Betty. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my chat with Betty about the commodification of spirituality and witchcraft. I hope this episode gave you a new perspective or some things to think about. As we said, this is a heavily nuanced topic with a lot of moving parts and pieces. I feel that we have only scratched the surface of what is probably a systemic issue. Let's go ahead and draw our tarot card for the month of April. Today, I am drawing from my traditional manga tarot. Let's give it a shuffle and see what we get. Okay, so we got the lovers reversed. This card depicts Adam and Eve in a garden, with Eve holding an apple in her hand. The lover's reverse indicates an imbalance in our lives somewhere. Um, conflicts and contention might be taking place. We might also have trouble making decisions. So this month, think about the lover's reversed. How can you best bring balance into your personal relationships? Are the choices you make the right ones for you and your situation? Do you tend to argue for the sake of arguing or hearing your own voice? And lastly, are you avoiding your responsibilities? Again, thank you so much for listening. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please reach out to me. My contact information is always in the show notes and you can find me on social media. Remember also to check out Betty, the Witch from the North, on their social media. All of the links will be in the show notes. And with that, I'll talk to you soon. Bye!